Section 27 of The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, Volume 1B. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government by Jefferson Davis, Volume 1B, Part 4, Chapter 11B. Capture of Romney. Troops ordered to retire to the valley. Discipline. General Johnston regards his position as unsafe. The first policy. Retreat of General Johnston. The plans of the enemy. Our strength magnified by the enemy. Stores destroyed. The Trent Affair. In November 1861, reports became current that the enemy were concentrating troops west of the valley of the Shenandoah, with a view to a descent upon it. That vigilant, enterprising, and patriotic soldier, General T.J. Jackson, whose steadiness under fire at the first battle of Manassas had procured for him the sobriquet of Stonewall, was then on duty as district commander of the Shenandoah Valley. He was a West Virginian, and though he had not acquired the fame which subsequently shed such luster upon his name, he possessed a well-deserved confidence among the people of that region. Ever watchful and daring in the discharge of any duty, he was intensely anxious to guard his beloved mountains of Virginia. This, stimulating his devotion to the general welfare of the Confederacy, induced him to desire to march against the enemy, who had captured Romney. On the 20th of November, 1861, he wrote to the War Department proposing an expedition to Romney in western Virginia. It was decided to adopt his proposition endorsed by the commander of the department and further to ensure success though not recommended in the endorsement his old brigade then in the army of the potomac was selected as a part of the command with which he was to make the campaign general johnston remonstrated against this transfer and the correspondence is subjoined for a fuller understanding of the matter Quote, headquarters valley district november twentieth eighteen sixty one Honorable J. P. Benjamin, Secretary of War. Sir, I hope you will pardon me for requesting that, at once, all the troops under General Loring be ordered to this point. Deeply impressed with the importance of absolute secrecy respecting military operations, I have made it a point to say but little respecting my proposed movements in the event of sufficient reinforcements arriving. But since conversing with Lieutenant Colonel J. L. T. Preston, upon his return from General Loring, and ascertaining the disposition of the general's forces i venture to respectfully urge that after concentrating all his troops here an attempt should be made to capture the federal forces at romney the attack on romney would probably induce mcclellan to believe that the army of the potomac had been so weakened as to justify him in making an advance on centreville but should this not induce him to advance i do not believe anything will during the present winter should the army of the potomac be attacked i would be at once prepared to reinforce it with my present volunteer force increased by general loring's after repulsing the enemy at manassas let the troops that marched on romney return to the valley and move rapidly westward to the waters of the monongahela and little kanawha should general kelly be defeated and especially should he be captured i believe that by a judicious disposition of the militia a few cavalry and a small number of field pieces no additional forces would be required for some time in this district 
i deem it of very great importance that northwestern virginia be occupied by confederate troops this winter at present it is to be presumed that the enemy are not expecting an attack there and the resources of that region necessary for the subsistence of our troops are in greater abundance than in almost any other season of the year postpone the occupation of that section until spring and we may expect to find the enemy prepared for us and the resources to which i have referred greatly exhausted i know that what i have proposed will be an arduous undertaking and cannot be accomplished without the sacrifice of much personal comfort but i feel that the troops will be prepared to make this sacrifice when animated by the prospects of important results to our cause and distinction to themselves it may be urged against this plan that the enemy will advance on stanton or huntersville i am well satisfied that such a step would but make their destruction more certain again it may be said that general floyd will be cut off to avoid this if necessary the general has only to fall back toward the virginia and tennessee railroad when northwestern virginia is occupied in force the kanawha valley unless it be the lower part of it must be evacuated by the federal forces or otherwise their safety will be endangered by forcing a column across from the little kanawha between them and the ohio river admitting that the season is too far advanced or that from other causes all cannot be accomplished that has been named yet through the blessing of god who has thus far so wonderfully prospered our cause much more may be expected from general loring's troops according to this program than can be expected from them where they are if you decide to order them here i trust that for the purpose of saving time all the infantry cavalry and artillery will be directed to move immediately upon the reception of the order the enemy about five thousand strong have been for some time slightly fortifying at romney and have completed their telegraph from that place to green spring depot their forces at and near williamsport are estimated as high as five thousand but as yet i have no reliable information of their strength beyond the potomac your most obedient servant t j jackson major general p a c s headquarters centerville november twenty first eighteen sixty one respectfully forwarded i submit that the troops under general loring might render valuable services by taking the field with general jackson instead of going into winter quarters as now proposed j e johnston general end quote. Quote, headquarters centerville november twenty second eighteen sixty one general cooper adjutant and inspector general sir i have received major general jackson's plan of operations in his district for which he asks for reinforcements it seems to me that he proposes more than can well be accomplished in that high mountainous country at this season if the means of driving the enemy from romney preventing the reconstruction of the baltimore and ohio railroad and incursions by marauders into the counties of jefferson berkeley and morgan can be supplied to general jackson and with them those objects accomplished we shall have reason to be satisfied so far as the valley district is concerned the wants of other portions of the frontier a quiet district for instance make it inexpedient in my opinion to transfer to the valley district so large a force as that asked for by major general jackson it seems to me to be now of especial importance to strengthen major general holmes near aquia creek the force there is very small compared with the importance of the position your obedient servant j e johnston general 
endorsement respectfully submitted to the secretary of war s cooper adjutant and inspector general november twenty fifth eighteen sixty one End quote. Quote, Richmond, Virginia, November 10, 1861. General J. E. Johnston, Manassas, Virginia. Sir, the Secretary of War has this morning laid before me yours of the 8th instant. I fully sympathize with your anxiety for the Army of the Potomac. If indeed mine be less than yours, it can only be so because the South, the West, and the East, presenting like cause for solicitude, have in the same manner demanded my care our correspondence must have assured you that i fully concur in your view of the necessity for unity in command and i hope by a statement of the case to convince you that there has been no purpose to divide your authority by transferring the troops specified in order number two hundred six from the centre to the left of your department the active campaign in the greenbrier region was considered as closed for the season there is reason to believe that the enemy is moving a portion of his forces from that mountain region toward the valley of virginia and that he has sent troops and munitions from the east by the way of the potomac canal toward the same point the failure to destroy his communications by the baltimore and ohio railroad and by the potomac canal has left him in possession of great advantages for that operation general jackson for reasons known to you was selected to command the division of the valley but we had only the militia and one mounted regiment within the district assigned to him the recent activity of the enemy the capture of romney etc required that he should have for prompt service a body of confederate troops to cooperate with the militia of that district you suggest that such force should be drawn from the army at the greenbrier this was originally considered and abandoned because they could not reach him in time to anticipate the enemy's concentration and also because general jackson was a stranger to them and time was wanting for the growth of that confidence between the commander and his troops the value of which need not be urged upon you we could have sent to him from this place an equal number of regiments being about double the numerical strength of those specified in the order referred to but they were parts of a brigade now in the army of the potomac or were southern troops and were ignorant of the country in which they were to serve and all of them unknown to general jackson the troops sent were his old brigade had served in the valley and had acquired a reputation which would give confidence to the people of that region upon whom the general had to rely for his future success though the troops sent to you are as you say raw they have many able officers and will i doubt not be found reliable in the hour of danger their greater numbers will to you i hope more than compensate for the experience of those transferred while in the valley the latter by the moral effect their presence will produce will more than compensate for the inferiority of their numbers i have labored to increase the army of the potomac and so far from proposing a reduction of it did not intend to rest content with an exchange of equivalents in addition to the troops recently sent to you i expected soon to send further reinforcements by withdrawing a part of the army from the greenbrier mountains i have looked hopefully forward to the time when our army could assume the offensive and select the time and place where battles were to be fought so that ours should be alternations of activity and repose there's the heavy task of constant watching when i last visited your headquarters my surprise was expressed at the little increase of your effective force above that of the twenty first of july last 
notwithstanding the heavy reinforcements which in the meantime had been sent to you since that visit i have frequently heard of the improved health of the troops of the return of many who had been absent sick and some increase has been made by reinforcements you can then imagine my disappointment at the information you give that on the day before the date of your letter the army at your position was yet no stronger than on the twenty first of july i can only repeat what has been said to you in our conference at fairfax courthouse that we are restricted in our capacity to reinforce by the want of arms troops to bear the few arms you have in store have been ordered forward your view of the magnitude of the calamity of defeat of the army of the potomac is entirely concurred in and every advantage which is attainable should be seized to increase the power of your present force i will do what i can to augment its numbers but you must remember that our wants greatly exceed our resources banks's brigade we learn has left the position occupied when i last saw you sickles is said to be yet in the lower potomac and when your means will enable you to reach him i still hope he may be crushed i will show this reply to the secretary of war and hope there will be no misunderstanding between you in future the success of the army requires harmonious cooperation very respectfully etc jefferson davis after general jackson commenced his march the cold became unexpectedly severe and as he ascended into the mountainous region the slopes were covered with ice which impeded his progress the more because his horses were smooth shod but his tenacity of purpose fidelity and daring too well known to need commendation triumphed over every obstacle and he attained his object drove the enemy from romney and its surroundings took possession of the place and prevented the threatened concentration having accomplished this purpose and being assured that the enemy had abandoned that section of country he returned with his old brigade to the valley of the shenandoah leaving the balance of his command at romney general loring the senior officer there present and many others of the command so left appealed to the war department to be withdrawn their arguments were as well as i remember these that the troops being from the south were unaccustomed to and unprepared for the rigors of a mountain winter that they were strangers to the people of that section that the position had no military strength and at the approach of spring would be accessible to the enemy by roads leading from various quarters after some preliminary action an order was issued from the war office directing the troops to retire to the valley as that order has been the subject of no little complaint both by civil and military functionaries my letter to the general commanding the department in explanation of the act of the secretary of war is hereto annexed Quote, richmond virginia february fourteenth eighteen sixty two general j e johnston commanding department of northern virginia centerville virginia general i have received your letter of the fifth instant while i admit the propriety in all cases of transmitting orders through you to those under your command it is not surprising that the secretary of war should in a case requiring prompt action have departed from this the usual method in view of the fact that he had failed more than once in having his instructions carried out when forwarded to you in the proper manner you will remember that you were directed on account of the painful reports received at the war department in relation to the command at romney to prepare to that place and after the needful examination to give the orders proper in the case you sent your adjutant 
inspector, general, and I am informed that he went no farther than Winchester, to which point the commander of the expedition had withdrawn, leaving the troops, for whom anxiety had been excited, at Romney. Had you given your personal attention to the case, you must be assured that the confidence reposed in you would have prevented the secretary from taking any action before your report had been received. In the absence of such security, he was further moved, by what was deemed reliable information, that a large force of the enemy was concentrating to capture the troops at Romney, and by official report that place had no natural strength and little strategic importance. To ensure concert of action in the defense of our Potomac frontier, it was thought best to place all the forces for this object under one command. The reasons which originally induced the adding of the Valley District to your department exist in full force at present, and I cannot, therefore, agree to its separation from your command. I will visit the Army of the Potomac as soon as other engagements will permit, although I cannot realize your complimentary assurance that great good to the Army will result from it, nor can I anticipate the precise time when it will be practicable to leave my duties here. Very respectfully and truly yours, Jefferson Davis. To complaints by General Johnston that the discipline of his army was interfered with by irregular action of the Secretary of War, and its numerical strength diminished by furloughs granted directly by the War Department, I replied, after making inquiry at the War Office, by a letter, a copy of which is hereto annexed. Quote, Richmond, Virginia, March 4, 1862. General J. E. Johnston, Centerville, Virginia. Dear Sir, Yours of the first instant received prompt attention, and I am led to the conclusion that some imposition has been practiced upon you. The Secretary of War informs me that he has not granted leaves of absence or furloughs to soldiers of your command for a month past, and then only to divert the current which threatened by legislation to destroy your army by a wholesale system of furloughs. Those which you inform me are daily received must be spurious. The authority to re-enlist and change from infantry to artillery, the Secretary informs me, has been given but in four cases, three on the recommendation of General Beauregard, and specially explained to you some time since. The remaining case was that of a company from Wheeling, which was regarded as an exceptional one. I wish, therefore, that you would send to the Adjutant General the cases of recent date in which the discipline of your troops has been interfered with in the two methods stated so that an inquiry may be made into the origin of the papers presented. The law in relation to re-enlistment provides for reorganization, and was under the policy of electing the officers. The concession to army opinions was limited to the promotion by seniority, after the organization of the companies and regiments had been completed. The reorganization was not to occur before the expiration of the present term. A subsequent law provides for filling up the twelve months' companies by recruits for the war, but the organization ceases with the term of the twelve months' men. Be assured of readiness to protect your proper authority, and I do but justice to the Secretary of War in saying that he cannot desire to interfere with the discipline and organization of your troops. He has complained that his orders are not executed and I regret that he was able to present to me so many instances to justify that complaint, which were in no wise the invasion of your prerogative as a commander in the field. You can command my attention at all times to any matter connected with your duties. 
and I hope that full co-intelligence will secure full satisfaction. Very truly yours, Jefferson Davis. End quote. A fortnight after this letter, I received from General Johnston notice that his position was considered unsafe. Many of his letters to me have been lost, and I have thus far not been able to find the one giving the notice referred to. But the reply which is annexed clearly indicates the substance of the letter which was answered. Quote, Richmond, Virginia, February 28, 1862. General J. E. Johnston, your opinion that your position may be turned whenever the enemy chooses to advance, and that he will be ready to take the field before yourself, clearly indicates prompt effort to disencumber yourself of everything which would interfere with your rapid movement when necessary, and such thorough examination of the country in your rear as would give you exact knowledge of its roads and general topography, and enable you to select a line of greater natural advantages than that now occupied by your forces. The heavy guns at Manassas and Evansport, needed elsewhere, and reported to be useless in their present position, would necessarily be abandoned in any hasty retreat. I regret that you find it impossible to move them. The subsistence stores should, when removed, be placed in positions to answer your future wants. Those cannot be determined until you have furnished definite information as to your plans, especially the line to which you would remove in the contingency of retiring. The Commissary General had previously stopped further shipments to your army, and given satisfactory reasons for the establishment at Thoroughfare. Footnote. Thoroughfare Gap was the point at which the Commissary General had placed a meatpacking establishment. End footnote. I need not urge on your consideration the value to our country of arms and munitions of war. You know the difficulty with which we have obtained our small supply, that to furnish heavy artillery to the advanced posts we have exhausted the supplies here, which were designed for the armament of the city defences. Whatever can be, should be done, to avoid the loss of these guns. As has been my custom, I have only sought to present general purposes and views. I rely upon your special knowledge and high ability to effect whatever is practicable in this our hour of need. Recent disasters have depressed the weak, and are depriving us of the aid of the wavering. Traitors show the tendencies heretofore concealed, and the selfish grow clamorous for local and personal interests. At such an hour, the wisdom of the trained and the steadiness of the brave possess a double value. The military paradox that impossibilities must be rendered possible had never better occasion for its application. The engineers for whom you asked have been ordered to report to you, and further additions will be made to your list of brigadier generals. Let me hear from you, often and fully. Very truly and respectfully yours, Jefferson Davis. End quote. Quote, Richmond, Virginia, March 6, 1862. General J. E. Johnston, notwithstanding the threatening position of the enemy, I infer from your account of the roads and streams that his active operations must be for some time delayed, and thus I am permitted to hope that you will be able to mobilize your army by the removal of your heavy ordnance and such stores as are not required for active operations, so that, whenever you are required to move, it may be without public loss and without impediment to celerity. I was fully impressed with the difficulties which you presented when discussing the subject of a change of position. To preserve the efficiency of your army, you will, of course, avoid all needless exposure. And when your army has been relieved of all useless encumbrance, 
you can have no occasion to move it while the roads and the weather are such as would involve serious suffering because the same reasons must restrain the operations of the enemy very respectfully yours jefferson davis at the conference at fairfax courthouse heretofore referred to i was sadly disappointed to find that the strength of that army had been little increased notwithstanding the reinforcements sent to it since the twenty first of july and that to make an advance the generals required an additional force which it was utterly impracticable for me to supply soon thereafter the army withdrew to centreville a better position for defence but not for attack and thereby suggestive of the abandonment of an intention to advance the subsequent correspondence with general johnston during the winter expressed an expectation that the enemy would resume the offensive and that the position then held was geographically unfavorable there was a general apprehension at richmond that the northern frontier of virginia would be abandoned and a corresponding earnestness was exhibited to raise the requisite force to enable our army to take the offensive on the tenth of march i telegraphed to general johnston quote, further assurance given to me this day that you shall be promptly and adequately reinforced so as to enable you to maintain your position and resume first policy when the roads will permit end quote. the first policy was to carry the war beyond our own border five days thereafter i received notice that our army was in retreat and replied as follows quote, richmond virginia march fifteenth eighteen sixty two general j e johnston headquarters army of the potomac general i have received your letter of the thirteenth instant giving the first official account i have received of the retrograde movement of your army your letter would lead me to infer that others had been sent to apprise me of your plans and movements if so they have not reached me and before the receipt of yours of the thirteenth i was as much in the dark as to your purposes condition and necessities as at the time of our conversation on the subject about a month since it is true i have had many and alarming reports of great destruction of ammunition camp equipage and provisions indicating precipitate retreat but having heard of no cause for such a sudden movement i was at a loss to believe it i have not the requisite topographical knowledge for the selection of your new position i had intended that you should determine that question and for this purpose a corps of engineers was furnished to make a careful examination of the country to aid you in your decision the question of throwing troops into richmond is contingent upon reverses in the west and southeast the immediate necessity for such a movement is not anticipated very respectfully yours jefferson davis on the same day i sent the following telegram quote, richmond virginia march fifteenth eighteen sixty two general j e johnston culpepper courthouse virginia your letter of the thirteenth received this day being the first information of your retrograde movement i have no report of your reconnaissance and can suggest nothing as to the position you should take except it should be as far in advance as consistent with your safety jefferson davis to further inquiry from general johnston as to where he should take position i replied that i would go to his headquarters in the field and found him on the south bank of the river to which he had retired in a position possessing great natural advantages an elevated bank commanded the north side of the river overlooking the bridge and an open field beyond it across which the enemy must pass to reach the bridge which if left standing was an invitation to seek that crossing 
upon inquiring whether the south bank of the river continued to command the other side down to fredericksburg general johnston answered that he did not know that he had not been at fredericksburg since he passed there in a stage on his way to west point when he was first appointed a cadet i then proposed that we should go to fredericksburg to inform ourselves upon that point on arriving at fredericksburg a reconnaissance soon manifested that the hills on the opposite side commanded the town and adjacent river bank and therefore fredericksburg could only be defended by an army occupying the opposite hills for which our force was inadequate in returning to the house of mr barton where i was a guest i found a number of ladies had assembled there to welcome me and who with anxiety inquired as to the result of our reconnaissance upon learning that the town was not considered defensible against an enemy occupying the heights on the other side and that our force was not sufficient to hold those heights against such an attack as might be anticipated the general answer was with a self-sacrificing patriotism too much admired to be forgotten quote, if the good of our cause requires the defense of the town to be abandoned let it be done end quote. the purposes of the enemy were then unknown to us if general johnston's expectation of a hostile advance in great force should be realized our course must depend partly upon receiving the reinforcement we had reason to expect from promises previously given and renewed as was announced to general johnston in my telegram of the tenth of march eighteen sixty two in these words quote, further assurance given to me this day that you shall be promptly and adequately reinforced so as to enable you to maintain your position and resume first policy when the roads will permit no immediate decision could therefore be made and i returned to richmond to wait the further development of the enemy's plans and to prepare as best we might to counteract them the feeling heretofore noticed as arousing in virginia a determination to resist the abandonment of her northern frontier and which caused the assurance of reinforcements bore fruit in the addition of about thirty thousand men by a draft made by the governor of the state these it is true were not the disciplined seasoned troops which were asked for by the generals in the conference at fairfax courthouse but they were of such men as often during the war won battles for the confederacy the development of the enemy's plans for which we had to wait proved that instead of advancing in force against our position at centreville he had before the retreat of our army commenced decided to move down the potomac for a campaign against richmond from the peninsula as a base the conflagration at centreville gave notice of its evacuation and an advance was made as far as manassas but as appears by general mcclellan's report with no more important design than to attack our rear guard if it should be encountered in the report on the conduct of the war by a committee of the united states congress evidence is found of much vacillation before the conclusion was finally reached of abandoning the idea of a direct advance upon richmond for that of concentrating their army at the mouth of the chesapeake whatever doubt or apprehension continued to exist about uncovering the city of washington by removing their main army from before it was of course dispelled by the retreat of our army and the burning of bridges behind it in this last-mentioned fact general mcclellan says he found the strongest reason to believe that there was no immediate danger of our army returning there was an apparent advantage to the enemy in the new base for his operations which was sufficiently illustrated by the events of the last year of the war had we possessed an army as large as the enemy supposed it would have been possible for us at the same time to check his advance from the east 
and to march against his capital with fair prospect of capturing it before the army he had sent against yorktown could have been brought back for the defense of washington on this as on other occasions he greatly magnified the force we possessed and on this as on other occasions it required the concentration of our troops successfully to resist a detachment of his excepting as a necessity the withdrawal of the main portion of our army from northern virginia to meet the invasion from the seaboard it was regretted that earlier and more effective means were not employed for the mobilization of the army a desirable measure in either contingency of advance or retreat or at the least that the withdrawal was not so deliberate as to secure the removal of our ordnance subsistence and quartermaster's stores which had been collected on the line occupied in eighteen sixty one and the early part of eighteen sixty two a distinguished officer of our army who has since the war made valuable contributions to the history of its operations especially valuable as well for their accuracy as for their freedom from personal or partisan bias writes thus of the retreat from centreville quote, a very large amount of stores and provisions had been abandoned for want of transportation and among the stores was a very large quantity of clothing blankets etc which had been provided by the states south of virginia for their own troops the pile of trunks along the railroad was appalling to behold all these stores clothing trunks etc were consigned to the flames by a portion of our cavalry left to carry out the work of their destruction the loss of stores at this point and at white plains on the manassas gap railroad where a large amount of meat had been salted and stored was a very serious one to us and embarrassed us for the remainder of the war as it put us at once on a running stock the same officer and the value of his opinion will be recognized by all who know him wherefore i give his name general j e early in a communication subsequent to that from which i have just quoted writes in regard to the loss of supplies quote, i believe that all might have been carried off from manassas if the railroads had been energetically operated the rolling stock of the orange and alexandria manassas gap and virginia central railroads ought to have been sufficient for the purpose of removing everything in the two weeks allowed if properly used the enemy's plans the development of which as has been already stated was necessary for the determination of our own movements were soon thereafter found to be the invasion of virginia from the seaboard and the principal portion of our army was consequently ordered to the peninsula between the york river and the james thus the northern frontier of virginia which in the first year of the war had been the main field of skirmishes combats and battles of advance and retreat and the occupation and evacuation of fortified positions ceased for a time to tremble beneath the tread of contending armies to the foregoing narration of events immediately connected with the efforts of the confederate government to maintain its existence at home may here be properly added an incident bearing on its foreign relations in the first year of the war our efforts for the recognition of the confederate states by the european powers in eighteen sixty one served to make us better known abroad to awaken a kindly feeling in our favor and cause a respectful regard for the effort we were making to maintain the independence of the states which great britain had recognized and her people knew to be our birthright on the eighth of november eighteen sixty one an outrage was perpetrated by an armed vessel of the united states in the forcible detention on the high seas of a british mail steamer making one of her regular trips from one british port to another and the seizure on that unarmed vessel 
of our commissioners mason and slidell who with their secretaries were bound for europe on diplomatic service the seizure was made by an armed force against the protest of the captain of the vessel and of commander williams r n the latter speaking as the representative of her majesty's government the commissioners only yielded when force which they could not resist was used to remove them from the mail steamer and convey them to the united states vessel of war this outrage was the more marked because the united states had been foremost in resisting the right of visit and search and had made it the cause of the war of eighteen twelve with great britain when intelligence of the event was received in england it excited the greatest indignation among the people and her majesty's government by naval and other preparations unmistakably exhibited the purpose to redress the wrong the commissioners and their secretaries had been transported to the harbor of boston and imprisoned in its main fortress diplomatic correspondence resulted from this event the british government demanded the immediate and unconditional release of the commissioners quote, in order that they may again be placed under british protection and a suitable apology for the aggression which has been committed end quote. in the meantime captain wilkes commander of the vessel which had made the visit and search of the trent returned to the united states and was received with general plaudit both by the people and the government the house of representatives passed a vote of thanks an honor not heretofore bestowed except for some deed deserving well of the country in the midst of all this exultation at the seizure of our commissioners on board of a british merchant ship came the indignant and stern demand for the restoration of those commissioners to the british protection from which they had been taken and an apology for the aggression it was little to be expected after such explicit commendation of the act that the united states government would accede to the demand and therefore the war and navy departments of the british government made active and extensive provision to enforce it the haughty temper displayed toward four gentlemen arrested on an unarmed ship subsided in view of a demand to be enforced by the army and navy of great britain and the united states secretary of state after a wordy and ingenious reply to the minister of great britain at washington city wrote quote, the four persons in question are now held in military custody at fort warren in the state of massachusetts they will be cheerfully liberated your lordship will please indicate a time and place for receiving them there was a time when the government and the people of the united states would not have sanctioned such aggression on the right of friendly ships to pass unquestioned on the highway of nations and the right of a neutral flag to protect everything not contraband of war but that was a time when arrogance and duplicity had not led them into false positions and when the roar of the british line could not make americans retract what they had deliberately avowed end of part four chapter eleven b